Hi, it's Joanna Oki here and welcome back to Talking Law, a podcast brought to you by our commercial legal practice, Aspect Legal. Now, today we have on board Jason Skinner, the owner of Skinner Hamilton Accountants and Business Consultants, whose passion for helping businesses had inspired him to come out from behind the desk and bring his knowledge and experience to everyday business owners all over the world through his podcast, aptly named The Business Made Easy Podcast. Podcast. Now, in this episode with Jason, we discuss the common mistakes business owners make when starting a new business. And today you're going to get two perspectives a perspective from the accounting side and also, of course, a legal perspective. And look, this is a relevant topic to listen into, even if you're well past startup, as we examine the details of many issues we have seen business owners face over both values in practice. I'm sure you'll love this conversation with Jason. There's so many valuable insights here for business owners, no matter what stage you're in in the business cycle. So keep listening and we'll get started. listening to Talking Law, the podcast where business owners just like you discover how to avoid legal landmines and build value using smart legal tips. Join your host, Joanna Rokey, as she cuts through the legal jargon and gives you clear and simple actionable legal strategies, which will get you optimal business results. Okay, Jason, thank you so much for joining us today on Talking Law. It's great to have you. Thanks, Joanna. Thanks. Great to be here. Great. So why don't we kick it off by perhaps you giving us just a little bit of a a quick background just so that we understand the context of your, I I guess, your perspectives in this area. Yeah, sure. Thanks, Joanna. Um, So I'm basically an accountant. Uh, We're an accounting business, accounting practice that we specialise in. Uh, small businesses, um, medium businesses. We don't do sort of employee-type tax returns, but what we do do with our business clients is a lot of business development work. So what, my background is really uh, I've got a passion for business. I, I, um, I've always, my family were in business uh, as well, so I sort of grew, grew up understanding what the, the stresses and strains of being in business was all about. But, uh, yeah, so it, it sort of gravitated for me in that space, in the accounting space, to help businesses to grow I've witnessed more than just doing a tax return I guess we I could witness the, um, the the pains that business owners were sort of going through and um, and and can I just throw in there I, I love that you include in this initial discussion of yourself your passion for business as a whole uh, because I think that's it's a it's a really interesting perspective I mean lawyers uh, and accountants we're both technicians I guess in a way but many lawyers and accountants approach working with their clients from a from a technical perspective but I really think there's a massive benefit for clients in having also the opinions of people from a technical perspective who also understand business as a whole, you know, have a passion for it, have an empathy for it, because it's hard work running a business, right? And, you you know, certainly there's the textbook things that you shouldn't, shouldn't do from an accounting perspective and textbook things that you shouldn't, shouldn't do from a legal perspective. But in, in reality, when you're in business, it's never that clear cut and straightforward. It's not. And I was very lucky, Joanna, uh, when I started in accounting to have a, a great mentor, my, my partner that I worked under in the firm, I was a, 
Because I, I thought when I started in accounting, I had to know all these sections of law and quote all these sections of the law, and that's what the clients wanted to hear. And they never do. They no, never. I don't understand that. I don't understand why. <laughs> it's actually interesting when you when you get to, to read it. But he actually stopped me one day and said, just wait, because I was quoting all these sections to him, and he said, just, just hang on a second. He said, your clients don't give a damn about the section numbers or what's in those sections or anything like that. All they care about is their world being made better and t- you taking that pain away for them. And, um, and he was so right and it taught me then I just went, right, okay, that's the right way. So that's the way I sort of got trained then was, was looking, looking more at being the relationship with the client and improving their world with the tools, i.e. the legislation, et cetera, that I, I knew in the back of my head. So, um, and I truly believe that's how we can, you know, together as professionals, deliver true value and real value at the end of the day. When we're coming at it from the client's perspective and, and you know, this all kicked off because you're talking about the passion for business, but I think that needs to be there in order for you to be most effective at translating the, that technical information into something practical and real for the clients that you're dealing with. And then, you also mentioned, you know, you, you understood sort of the pains and the stresses. And, and I think that's so important. And, and I think that's sort of why we're talking today about the, this area of common mistakes, because I guess we've both seen when things go wrong, right? Mm, absolutely. And look, I've stopped you talking about your background. How about finish telling us about oh, yourself, and then let's talk about some of those things where we've seen where, um, where things have gone wrong. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, so uh, basically, we we start we started the firm. It sort of morphed from a, another partnership uh, firm that I was in, and um, we basically my wife and I now uh, run the practice, and um, she's the Hamilton in the in the skin of Hamilton. But uh, yeah, so <laughs> we we. We live a very quiet life. We just we just do our work and help our clients, and uh, yeah, that's, that's that's pretty well all, all it was. Fabulous in the beautiful Gold Coast. In the Gold Coast, yes. I, I don't think our listeners heard, <laughs> but I was lamenting the fact that uh, I'm sitting here in Sydney at the moment in the middle of a dust storm, and there you are sitting, you know, in the beautiful Gold Coast. Yeah, sun shining, and we're looking forward to the weekend. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So so maybe if we circle back, then I touched on a point that you raise, which is. Yeah, this understanding of where things have gone wrong. So from your perspective, what have you seen? What have you seen gone, go drastically wrong um, for businesses that you've dealt with? Yeah, the thing that I, I find most is lack of planning. Business owners doing a lack of planning. And I guess it starts from the very start, really, when when people get into business, I believe, because they've, they've got this, um, I get this, optimism that it's going to be rosy and it's going to be, everything's just going to be so great when they when they buy this business or when they start this business and it never works out that way unfortunately as I'm sure you know because when I, when I see them they come in the office and they go oh we're going to shoot the lights out with this or we're going to buy this business and um, we're going to run it so much better than the people that have already got it and everything's going to be great because I love you know making sandwiches and, or whatever I'm passionate about and Really, business, as you know, is just so different when you get into it because it's not just about making sandwiches. It's also about doing marketing. It's also about managing cash flow. It's also managing, you know, staffing and HR issues and landlord and, and, and all these other, other things that go with it. And um, so I think that's probably my big 
point is that they don't, there's the lack of business planning. Yeah. And can can I drill into some of those examples that you're talking about? Because I just, oh, I love the stories, you know, and I think that's what really resonates with people. And uh, hey, you know, our listeners, I think, are quite often jogging along the beach if, if they're lucky. Yeah. <laughs> or, like you know, <laughs> doing the commute while they're listening to this. So, you know, stories really help to solidify it. They do. And I've certainly got loads of them, but but maybe are there any particular stories that stand out in your mind, Jason? Yeah, there is actually. There's a there's a a young couple that um, came to see me. Uh, actually, it wasn't so long back, and they wanted to buy this particular business, so they were going to give up their jobs, their their salaries. And I think from memory, let's just say combined, they might have been on about a hundred hundred and sixty odd thousand dollars a year. Um, but they they wanted to buy this business. Um, she was very very the lady was very very interested in it, and it was just something she just she thought was going to light her up and. So I, I went through the, the numbers and because they come in to see you and, and they're all very optimistic and, and, and so you, you've got to be very careful as the advisor. You just don't go, don't, can't just say that's a stupid idea, don't do that. Yeah. you kind of got to take people on the journey of what that's going to look like. And so what I actually did with them is sat down and we did some business planning and just looked at the numbers. We looked at, and, and here's the, the thing is, it's a lot cheaper to do this stuff on paper or on a whiteboard than it is to go and commit um, to signing up for leases and buying the business and, and all that sort of thing. But when we went through the numbers and step by step and we sort of we got down to all sorts of things like how many hours a week do you think this is going to require of your time? And, and when we worked all that out, it was going to require more time than they were spending at their day job. And by the time they paid everybody, paid their expenses, paid off the loan for the business, paid the tax, all the all the costs, they're actually going to be making about eighty thousand dollars a year. So they were halving their income and doubling their workload, all for the sake of because it was a franchise business too. So there was franchise fees and things like that in it, which again, that's not always easy to navigate. So yeah, but you know, but do you think I could still convince them not to buy that business once? <laughs> once once they saw those numbers because, again, this blind optimism was, was that they were going to do better than that. And unfortunately, uh, and I, I'm glad they, they did see my way in the end. Yeah, it's, 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 it, that's very common, very common. So you said that they did end up going ahead. With no, they, they didn't, sorry. Oh, no, yeah. they didn't, they didn't, they yeah, didn't. Yeah. Okay. All right. I just kept, <laughs> I literally just had to keep showing them the, the numbers and, 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 and it's so much cheaper to, to get some professional help and plan that out first before it is uh, committing, as I say, the hard-earned dollars. I think you're absolutely right because, you know, I mean, we've seen many businesses. Um, I mean, business as a whole, I, I think, is subject to peaks and troughs, uh, you know, and, um, you, you know, there can be good times, there can be bad times in some businesses, the good times are better than the bad times and in other businesses it's a reverse. <laughs> but hitting crunch times in a business, I, I think, you know, particularly when business owners are getting a bit tired. So, so right at that beginning phase that you're talking about, I, I guess the reason why it's hard to to 
have people see the reality of the numbers is because there's so much emotion involved with the idea of this, you know, um, it, it may be many things, but, you know, being their own boss, controlling their own lives, having ha- feeling that they've got more input into the, you know, their destiny. I think that, you know, quite often it is a large pull factor. And sometimes it's just the, the misplaced belief that they're actually going to get more money for less effort. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Which, hell, as business owners, I don't know, it's a while before you get to that place, right? <laughs> it's, it's like the online it's like the online business space, you know, um, you know, there's this misconception out here that out there that, you know, it's just, you just start an online business and you have this passive income coming, but it doesn't work that way, you know. No, that's right. Business is hard work. You have to put the, 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 the work in, but it's, it's the areas that you put the work in that make it uh, work, you know, it's uh, all, all viable. And so I guess we, we're not he- saying here, you know, don't do it, but we're saying, okay, be aware of the enthusiasm that might be clouding your judgment. Yeah, the blind optimism. At this rate, the blind optimism and understand that you need to stop and, and you know, from your perspective, look at, the, look at the figures and the forecasts and the projections without emotion. And, you know, from my perspective, it would be, you know, considering, you know, particularly when we're talking about the, the purchase of a business or, or deciding to go into business with other people, make sure you're asking the right questions right at that beginning and that you have have some sort of documented agreement between yourselves because I think, you know, that's where I see blind optimism also plays a role. You know, people going into business and thinking because they get on so well today that they're going to continue to get on into the future. And, and you know, the reality is in almost the majority of cases that issues will appear along the way. Absolutely, yeah. And that's, you're so right there because, when that optimism is there and when everybody's getting on, it's like I call it the honeymoon stage of a, a, part, a partnership or a, you know, a, a business. You've had the idea, you've bought the business, everyone's getting on and everyone's happy or you may, may not have bought it just yet but you're going to or you're going to. But at that point when everyone's getting on, that's the critical time to actually do the agreement because there's no better time of agreements. There's no better time where everyone's on board on the same page and sharing the same vision than that than that honeymoon period. And, and so many of and unfortunately, and as you will see, I'm sure, unfortunately, people don't do that because they go, no trouble is ever going to happen. We nothing's going to we're we're all on the same page here, you know. Yeah, exactly, exactly. All they say um, we'll definitely do it. It's on the list. We'll just do it a bit later. So that yeah. means we'll never do it. That's it. <laughs> yeah, we've got bigger priorities at the moment. We have, you yeah. know, we have to, we have to um, get our Facebook page set up and things like that. And you go, really? No, you need that agreement. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Or, you know, they say, okay, well, let's get started. And then, then they say, oh, you know, it's it's a bit too hard to work out now. I, I promise you it's so much easier right now, even though, you know, of course there's things you have to work through. It's a lot easier when you're getting on to work out those things than to wait until you're not getting on because then that multiplies the difficulty of working it out tenfold, sometimes a hundredfold. Yeah, I guess it's the rules of the game, basically. That's, that's what you're getting clear with that agreement. It's the rules of the game and how this thing's going to operate and, and what's the conduct and what's, the, what's expected of each party coming into it. So they're all, they're all things that, that people just 
don't get clear about. And it's like a marriage, isn't it? You know, you don't get married and, and without talking about where you want to live and whether you want to have a family or. I'm feeling like we, we, we can almost create a checklist now here, Jason. For yeah, we could. <laughs> <laughs> we could. Not, not just for our shareholders' agreement, but our. <laughs> Life partner agreement. Perfect. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I'm totally on board with you. Um, this is good that, you know, one of the primary common mistakes that business owners make when they're starting out is not planning. I think that covers it all. What What else do you see? What else really strikes you as um, mistakes that these business owners are making? Yeah, so the, the, the other... Um probably still on that legal theme, is their estate plan. They don't have estate planning done. So what happens to the business if the partner dies or the owner dies? So none of that's taken care of. And unfortunately, incidents and accidents happen in life and, and you, you, can't, um, you can't predict a lot of things like this. So, you know, all still around, I guess, that planning piece and the, and the, the agreements, making sure you've got the right agreements, et cetera, in place. I, w- I would say arguably estate planning, making sure that's done would be important. And once again, you, you know, we're talking here about the mentality, I, I guess, you, you know, of, well, yeah, we'll look at that one day because obviously it's not a big issue for us right now, but of course you never know when it will be a, a relevant issue. So I think in both of these things that we're talking about, the, the planning and, you, you know, the estate planning, it's just about not going for the, I, I guess here we can bring up Stephen Covey's sort of framework. It's not yeah. going for the urgent; it's also going for the important. And exactly not- right. Yeah, on their quad, on on his quadrant. Yeah, absolutely. They're, they're things that prevent problems down the track for you. So, and you would have seen this as well. At these times, when things do go wrong, the better prepared you are with with this sort of pre planning, pre work sort of um, information. Is the better you get through them and at, at that emotional time because I, I believe a lot of entrepreneurs and, and business owners don't factor in emotion into their decision-making process. They're emotionally driven, like they're passionate in, their, you know, that, in that way, but they don't factor in the impact of emotion uh, when things go wrong. And, um, you know, having all those agreements and having estate plan, all those those critical documents and whatnot done, I think just serves you so well when things do go wrong. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And I think some of these uh, documents help to avoid issues. I mean, of course, from a estate planning perspective, we can't necessarily. If you that one, you're in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But if we're, but, but casting our mind back to, I guess, the decisions, uh, the, the discussion about things like shareholders' agreements, you, you know, I, I think, and, and this is the same of any documentation that you're putting in place, that just having discussions, I think, in the beginning with people that you're going into business and just thinking through these issues helps to avoid the issues from occurring in the first place. So it's not just about creating the mechanism by which you manage issues as they appear. It's also about having the conversations to ensure that the issues don't occur in the first place as well. And I think that's a, a, that's a really important extra element as well, because certainly prevention is far easier and cheaper than the cure, as they say. Absolutely, yeah. One one situation reminds me of one situation I had where um, it was a partnership, two families, unrelated families in partnership together, and the husbands were 
basically the partners running the, running the, the business. The, the wives had nothing to do with it. But um, one of the husbands passed away and his will left everything to, to, his, um, to his wife, to his spouse. So all of a sudden, partner the other the other partner is in partnership with someone who can't do the work and probably knows little about the business. Yeah, knows little about the business and doesn't want to be in partnership <laughs> in the first place. You know, in a simple simple uh, partnership agreement would have uh, sorted all that out and. Uh, buy-sell agreements, et cetera. So, hmm. Absolutely. And because then, of course, you know, it leads to the question, okay, well, you know, what is the value? What's the sale value of the business? And uh, which, you know, and, and does the other partner in the business even have the funds available to buy out the equity in the business? So, you know, it can lead to all of these, you know, really complicated issues, which can mean the end of the business as a whole and the destruction of the value of that equity, both for the surviving partner, the the wife in, in this example, and the, um, a, and the partner in the business. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's just so critical to get that stuff out of the, t- on the table at the very, very outset of any business. You know, it's got to be documented. So the thing I like to do with that when, when people are doing that is I like to get people in a room for about a day and, um, and we have a strategic planning day and, and we cover off on all those things and we, we engage the lawyers and we engage, you know, um, whoever we need to, to address all that so it's done. And then, then you can leave the room and go and get on, get on with, with running your business, knowing everything's so. Taken care of, set up, and, you know, that, that you've worked through all of these questions in relation to how the business is going to operate together and how your relationship is going to work without you having to um, just make it up on the fly, as it were. That's exactly right, yeah. So I, I guess sort of moving forward, so other sort of mistakes that businesses and owners make when starting a business, I, I guess one of the things we should probably talk about here is structure as well because certainly I see a lot of businesses at the exit phase and that's where it becomes really apparent that there are real issues with the structure of the business where we get to the point of sale and, you, you know, suddenly there's this discussion about the tax impact <laughs> of a sale. So what's your thoughts about that? How, how do you guide clients through that discussion? So in, the, in those early, early startup days, Structure, you're exactly right. Structure, your structure is is probably one of the, the is probably one of them other than the agreements thing, but a critical element to get right from the outset because it's very very expensive. It can be very very expensive down the track to change that structure. So you've kind of got to have a good clear idea about what it is that you're creating. What size business is this going to be? You know, is it going to be a small lawn mowing run that's just one person going along or are you going to have employees is there going to be intellectual property that you're going to create or assets that that are going to need protecting might you want to bring other business partners on board in the future i think that's a really important element in deciding correct yeah so how do how do they enter your business and exit your business cost effectively because you know moving a business from and it depends on state-based taxes obviously but each state's different but you know you if you're moving a business from one entity to another and you've got stamp duty concerns or you know, all that stuff, capital gains tax, all those things can get quite expensive later on down the track. So uh, I always encourage 
that, again, that sort of comes out of that day planning session that I run, but we get all that sorted out from the outset so that the, the structure is flexible enough to cater for future growth, but it's not going to be so yeah, rigid, I guess, that it's, that it's uh, or, or I guess so the other thing too, um, sorry, I've got a million thoughts on this topic. <laughs> Well, structure is a bit like that, isn't it? Because yeah, it, it, it can be confusing, but there's so many things to consider. That's right. And, and people uh, at that startup phase don't really um, necessarily have the money or don't see the point in investing in it properly to, to start with. So they'll try and cut corners and they'll go, oh, look, I'll just get an ABN and I'll just put my, put my name on it for now. And then we'll deal with that again down the track with the wheels and estate planning and the shareholders. We'll do it all down the road. But yeah, it, it can be very expensive to um, try and change later on. Yeah. I think the other thing to add about structure is also the importance of firstly simplicity. So, so obviously, I think there's an importance of considering how you're going to run your structure and, and how that's going to work for you moving forward. But I think there should also be an, a component or an element of consideration to simplicity because I, I do see many instances where people come to me and I'll talk to them about their structure. Do, do you know what this is like in a very high percentage of cases? When I ask them about their structure, they'll say, I don't understand it. And my position on that is it's actually critical for me to sit down and, you, you know, usually in those instances when someone says that, that we haven't been the one to set it up for them. So, but what we'll do then is sit down and walk them through the structure and what it means and how it works. And and I'm I'm a very visual person, but I think many business owners are visual. I, I really like to see a structure in a diagram and sort of, you know, really clearly, simply explain how it works. Now, some structures, you don't need that, but in almost any, every structure, there's an element to it that can create a little bit of confusion. So, uh, you know, that's one thing I'd throw out there in structure as well. You know, if people don't understand their structure fully, then they shouldn't just sit there saying, you know, I'm too embarrassed to ask. Exactly. So dangerous. That's the first thing. And then the second thing is they shouldn't, you know, hide their head in the sand and say, well, you know, my advisor, my accountant, my lawyer, you know, understands the structure, so I don't need to. I think the problem with that approach is, you know, when I have clients in and I explain the structure to them, they say to me, oh, hold on, that's not how I thought it worked. I thought it was, you know, like this. And then we unravel it and find, well, in actual fact, they've had the wrong information all along, which can create serious problems. So, so I think the thing is, you know, simplicity is important, but also education and understanding. Um, and for clients to put their hand up if they don't understand so that, they so that they're fully involved in that process of understanding the the structure that they're using, so that they know what it means moving forward. Yeah, I, I, we have a rule here that um, every every single client, no matter how big, you could be a sole trader, but but with just just your own ABN, right through to a more complicated structure. But every every client, we do a an actual structure diagram for that reason. Perfect. And we uh, so they have a copy of that, but we also you've got to make sure that clients are aware of what they're signing up for and, and their responsibilities under that. I had a situation where the son had made her the director of his company. He'd been bankrupt previously. 
Oh, I've got goosebumps now. I'm concerned about where this story's going. <laughs> Take us there. <laughs> she she was blindly like he he he'd obviously bring the stuff home for her to sign and all that sort of thing. And she was blindly signing signing the um, the financials off and everything like that. But trouble happened in the company and it, and it ended up going pear-shaped. The company went um, uh, into liquidation. And, um, of course, there was all actions against the directors then and um, she, she, said, she just put her hand up and said, I'm sorry, I, I, I just signed it. I didn't understand what I was signing and tried, tried to plead ignorance. And obviously you know what happened, was, was held fully accountable for the decisions made by the company. Oh, that's so scary. And that probably ties in, I think, to perhaps another common mistake that I see and clearly you see as well, which is directors of companies not understanding the implications of their holding a directorship and the potential personal liability that can go along with that. And, you know, when I say this, sometimes I think, oh, gosh, I don't want to be alarmist (laughs) (laughs) because in many instances there will be no no issues with the business. But the reality is I've seen you've probably seen as well liquidators you you know chasing you know harassing mm. directors of companies that have, have have ended up insolvent or in liquidation uh, personally and it's a nasty nasty thing to watch happen so I, I think it's really important and of course now you know directors are subject to all sorts of requirements in relation to lodging on time and paying on time because of of course if you're more than three months late in lodging or paying your bazers then you can become personally liable for, for the payment. That's right yeah with a director penalty notice regime um, particularly with the tax offers you know, not paying your superannuation and they're just broadening those rules even further now. So, so directors really can't hide behind companies as much as they used to be able to and, and you really need to understand as a director so that whatever structure you go into, what your personal liabilities are should things go wrong. Of course, many times they won't, as you say, but what is what, what if? You know, so you've got to ask those questions and, um, and your advisor should be explaining them clearly so you don't leave that room until you fully understand. Yeah. If, you know, any of our listeners are involved in risky sorts of businesses or businesses where, where they think there might be liquidity issues into the future, I think it's really also important to have a general discussion about asset protection in relation to their own personal assets and where they're holding their finances and their wealth. Is that the sort of discussion that you also have with your clients in, in this planning days? Those are the sorts of things that you've seen play out as issues? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because you you know um, you could be building up uh, personal wealth, and and you know your business might be going well for a period of time, but um, as you know, uh, being in the legal space, things could go wrong very very quickly, and not, not as a result of something you've done per se, but as a result of um, someone else's action that's brought you in into that situation. Yeah, which is a reminder then as well for businesses that are going into partnership or or, um, taking an equity position, for example, in a company or or some other type of business entity that has been around for a while. You know, they have to be very careful about the history of that company and before they take on a directorship, know for sure that there aren't outstanding liabilities relating to that entity that they might then end up, <laughs> you know, holding the can for. Exactly right. Yeah, the old skeletons in the closet. That's it. 
you've got to really um, really do your due diligence and and you know before taking particularly as I say buying into someone else's company you really want to make sure that uh, you do your homework and almost like a strict audit on on the financial affairs what's happened in the past and get clearances wherever you can before signing on the on the line absolutely and I, I'm feeling I'm feeling a little bit worried here I, I'm just sort of I, I can I feel like I'm sitting in the shoes of our listener here saying holy goodness there's um, a lot to be worried about in business yeah, <laughs> yeah we really really painted a rosy picture <laughs> <laughs> I don't get asked to many dinner parties <laughs> <laughs> but I think the thing is when, you know, I, I remember this critical incident or, or memory from very early in, in my legal career where I had a client at the time that had come into the firm that I worked for at the point and his business was crumbling before his eyes and he, he came in for advice. And, and the problem was that he'd left it too late to get advice. But I worked really closely with this guy who was just a lovely guy to help him try and avoid the liquidation. But as it turned out, uh, one of his creditors ended up putting the company into liquidation and then he ended up in bankruptcy and then he was being pursued by, you know, the liquidator and the trustee in bankruptcy. It was just an awful, horrible situation. I just remember sitting there with my client at the time and him just talking about how his marriage had just fallen over and how he just felt he couldn't go on. And I just had, it was one of those moments in your life where you say to yourself, I want to make sure I can do everything I can possibly do in this world to make sure people don't end up in his situation. And it impacted me really deep because it occurred to me, I think that was the very first time that it fully occurred to me how important these things are are, you know, because sometimes a business of people's lives and in this particular instance, it wasn't just his business that had crumbled. It was, uh, you know, all of his personal assets were taken and all of the stress then led to the, you know, the, the crumbling of his marriage. But it just seems so massive when in many instances, these things are avoidable. And so whilst, you know, I, I really don't ever want to scare the socks off people, I, I just think this conversation is so vitally important because if you sit down and you have these discussions at the beginning of your business and you can you can set out the framework for protection for yourself and the business moving forward, then, you know, you can avoid these monumental risks, I guess, that are sitting out there, which which aren't highly likely to happen, but, but if they were to occur, you know, can have massive ramifications. Absolutely, yeah. Well, that's, that's, that planning session, I keep coming back to it, but that planning session really is vital but before you start because... It's so much cheaper to plan on paper and map out a roadmap of what ifs and do a cash flow plan and budget as to what's the road look like ahead? What have we got to do in sales? You know, what's our pricing got to be? What, you know, how many sales have we got to make a day? What's our break even point? You know, at what point do we start making money in this business? And then if you know what that break even point is, you'll know whether you're on track or not because, because if you're under under that sales figure, you're not making any money, you're not breaking even and anything over it, you are making money. So, you know, you need to ascertain all these vital numbers. And um, I kind of set up a bit of a dashboard so that we put all that on. Onto, uh, when I'm talking about planning to business planning, I'm not talking about um, c- 
creating tombs of, of documents that, that never get looked at again. This is sort of like a one-page thing that everyone in the business can, like all the owners can have and look at and stick it on their fridge and sort of check check in how they're going. But, yeah, you, you, you've got to know those those numbers and make sure that before you commit to spending the money, you, uh, you are going to be safe. Mm. Well, Jason, I tell you what, I think um, that has been a really useful sort of um, session that we've gone through today talking about all these areas of mistake. Um, is there anything that you feel that we, we really should throw in there that we um, hadn't quite covered yet? Um, no, the only, the only thing, as I said, I, I was just touching on then is, is making sure because it's sort of another area that I see people is not doing cash flow planning. You get an understanding of how the money is going to move in and out of your business, and um, uh, because if you, you know, it's it's like petrol in your car. You know, as your business gets bigger, I always think of that as as your car getting bigger. Well, you need more petrol to get from A to B, and that's the that's the cash in your bank account. So it's like fuel or petrol in your car. You need to you need to have enough to keep making your business grow and keep keep operating. So proper cash flow planning, yeah, definitely. It's funny you say that because in this this particular instance I'm talking about years ago um, where, where the company went to the wall, it, it, the company was actually profitable. That was the funny thing, but it was the cash flow that was the problem. It was the cash flow crunch that hit them and they sort of advised too late. That, that was the other issue. So, number one, they didn't understand that profit doesn't equal cash and number two they sort of advice too late so I totally agree with what you say what uh, I, I'm just trying I'm searching for the I, there's a great quote that I heard recently about this they say revenue's vanity profit is sanity cash is king that's it yeah nice <laughs> uh, I like that <laughs> yeah yeah you gotta have you gotta have cash if you haven't got cash you, you really haven't and I've seen I've like like yourself I've seen some you know incredibly large businesses not actually have any cash not, not have any cash flow you know and it's it's that you just can't pay their bills like you're always late you know the first thing that doesn't get paid is the staff superannuation or, or the, the GST returns and you know, it just it just spirals out of control from there. So you do need to yeah, look at that working capital uh, situation and cash flow. And, um, and and make sure you understand when a cash flow, make sure you're doing it regularly enough so that you can identify when you might be at risk of a cash flow crunch coming onto the horizon so that you can identify it before it hits. That's exactly right. <laughs> I think yeah. that's the point, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's, no, it's no, no point. Um, so many people... Just go to their accountant once a year and get their tax return done, and it's it's so crazy to run a business that way because number one, by the time the accountant gets around to doing it, it's usually six months after the financial year anyway. So you're looking at eighteen month old data um, you know, to to make decisions on, and it's 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 historic. You should be looking forward and planning forward and taking a proactive approach to that and actually steering the ship rather than you know just seeing where the ship's been. You know, absolutely. Well, I, I think that's a really great synopsis today. You know, we talked about the issues around not planning. Uh, we talked about the concept of being clear on structure and getting your agreements in place. And I think absolutely this discussion about understanding cash flow is a real imperative. And having financial awareness, I guess that's a lot of what you've been talking about today. That's it. Yep. Fabulous. Okay. Well, look, Jason, if any of our listeners are interested in this one-day exploration that you've been talking about or, or anything, any other sorts of services you can provide, how, how do they get in contact with you? 
Yes, there's a couple of ways. Um, a couple of ways you can do that is um, is to go to skinnerhamilton.com.au and uh, or you can email me direct, Jason at skinnerhamilton.com.au, uh, or um, yeah, you can uh, check out my my podcast as well, which is businessmadeeasypodcast.com, and I do talk about a lot of that stuff on there as well. Fabulous. Well, obviously, we um, we all love podcasts here. So, yeah, <laughs> so I, you know, I really recommend that as uh, listening for our uh, for our listeners. Well, Jason, thank you so much for coming on board today. It was a really interesting discussion. Of course, we've been talking about the mistakes that business owners make when they're starting a business. But of course, we know many business owners who might be in the depths of their business at the moment might realise that they themselves have made these mistakes at the beginning. So it's never too late, right? Exactly right. It's a good point. Um, th- these planning sessions don't stop once you've done them once. You do them annually and, and you, so it's not too late. If you've already established your business and you go, oh, look, I didn't do that, I'll just keep going, um, don't do that. You know, get, it, get it cleaned up and do it annually and be amazed at the, um, at the results you'll get on your bottom line. Fabulous. Okay, well, look, thank you so much for your time today, Jason. I hope you have a fabulous afternoon. Thank you. You too. I'm on the Gold Coast. I'm sure sure over. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. (laughs) I'm green. (laughs) (laughs) It's been great. Okay, bye. Thanks, Joe. Well, that's a wrap for our episode with Jason Skinner of Skinner Hamilton Accountants and Business Consultants, where we drilled into the five common mistakes business owners make when starting a new business. Now, as a quick recap, the five mistakes we covered were number one, lack of business planning. Number two, not having an estate plan. Number three, not having the right structure for a business. Number four, not understanding the implications of your role as a director. And lastly, number five, the lack of cash flow planning. If you're interested to learn more about this topic, you can check out Jason's podcast at businessmadeeasypodcast.com or check out our show notes at www.thedealroompodcast.com where we'll link through to his website. There you'll also find a full transcript of this podcast episode if you'd like to read it in more detail. Now, look, I hope you enjoyed what you heard today. And if you did, please subscribe to Talking Law on Apple Podcasts or your other favorite podcast player to get notifications straight to your phone whenever a new episode is out. Thanks again for listening in. This has been Joanna Oki and Talking Law, a podcast proudly brought to you by our commercial legal practice, Aspect Legal. See you next time. looking for a top quality legal team to assist you in your organisation? Aspect Legal is an innovative commercial legal practice that specialises in providing fast and professional services for their clients. If you'd like to chat about how we might be able to assist you, simply head over to our website at aspectlegal.com.au to book in a time for a free discussion with one of our lawyers. While you are there, you might also like to check out our innovative product, Legal on Tap. Our SME version of this product provides a business with access to a team of lawyers to answer questions as they come up in the business. 
And our large business version also provides this access to our team of lawyers to ask questions, but it also provides a wide range of online-based training in contract law for non-lawyers. Both of these products are available for a ridiculously low monthly price. If you're interested, simply head over to our website at aspectlegal.com.au and check out our legal on-tap pages or head over to our contact page and submit a form to let us know that you would like more information. Thanks for listening to Talking Law. Tune in next time for more smart legal tips and tricks to keep you clear of those legal landmines. If you want to get a download of today's show notes, head over to talkinglaw.com.au. Information in this podcast is general in nature, not legal advice. If you want advice for your business, visit talkinglaw.com.au. Thank you.